authenticity. What does authenticity mean? It is the quality of being authentic. The, the quality of being authentic. And what does it mean to be authentic? To be authentic means to be original, to be genuine. To be original, to be genuine, not to be a copy of something else. Not to be a copy of another thing. To be yourself. Now, I have to be cautious in the way I, I define authenticity because the world we live in today is encouraging people because the world doesn't know God, right? Is encouraging people to uh, accept a, a distorted uniqueness. So if a person's way of life and thinking does not align with the word of God, and if it will destroy them, the world will tell them that that is you. That is your uniqueness, right? And she learns to celebrate it. And we can see all manner of things being celebrated today, even though these things are killing and destroying people. So we need to apply caution when we're talking about being authentic. Authentic Authenticity in what? Is it in our human values or in godly values? So I'm going to look at things from two distinct perspectives today, spiritually as our identity and also as individuals. Spiritually first, as our identity in Christ Jesus and as individuals. Most of the time we talk about our identity in Christ Jesus. But if we carefully observe, even in the Christian world today, many people, though they, they, in their mind, you know, mental accent, they can recognize their identity in Christ Jesus, but their actions, their behavior don't align. Amen. So we need to, we need to balance both of them. Praise the Lord. Right. So um, I was thinking of another way to express authenticity apart from the direct dictionary uh, definition of authenticity. And one of the things I found is this, or what I coined is this, the degree to which your actions align with your Christian values despite external pressures to conform to the world. I'll take it again. Authenticity is the degree to which your actions or our actions align, at least that is match our Christian values, our Christian identity, despite external pressures to conform to the world. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 tells us that we should not be conformed to this world any longer, but we should be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Let's turn our Bible to Romans chapter 12 verse 2, a reading from the Amplified Version. Romans 12 to Amplified. So Amplified version here says, do not be conformed to this world, this age, and it puts in bracket there, fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs. Fashioned after, adapt. But be transformed, that is changed, by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideas and its new attitude, so that you may prove your, for yourselves what is the good and the acceptable and the perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. That verse of the Bible is loaded. And talking about our spiritual identity, and authenticity with respect to our spiritual identity, I think we should look at it clo more closely. So let's take it again. 
Don't forget the authenticity for this service, in this service, and for Christians, is the degree to which your actions align with your Christian values, despite external pressures to conform to the world. Now, the world will mount pressure on you. The world wants you to look like it. The world wants everyone to look like them. The world wants wickedness and insanity to look normal. Right? And um, the way the world operates, they're so confident in, in, in their fallen nature, though they cannot see. They don't know they are falling. They don't know they have a problem. Every unsaved person don't know they have a serious spiritual problem. As long as they are healthy, right? As long as they have money, as long as they have good family relationship in a sense, they believe they got everything. They've got kids, they believe they got everything. But the Bible tells us that if our hope in Christ is limited to this world, we have all men most miserable and to be pitied. So if for believers, right, we are putting our hope, all how we see life to be in Christ is limited to this earth. And the Bible says to us, that mindset, any believer who, who maintains that mindset is to be pitied, is miserable. How much more the believer who does not have Christ to be pitied? So instead of believers, you know, envying the unsaved, they should pity them. Hence, they, we should, hence we should minister the gospel to people so that they can receive Christ and come into the family of God. So the next thing is, when they come into the family of God, are we helping them to understand their identity and help them to align their actions with their Christian identity, Christian values? As you can tell, that it's going to be a deep service this morning. Amen. When I say deep, I mean a lot, of, a lot to take in, a lot of reason to think about. Amen. So let's go back to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. So do not be conformed to this world, this age. What is in this age? What is in this age? I don't need to, I don't, I don't need to spend too much time to show you what it is in this age. The Bible talks about the God of this age, uh, the prince of uh, the prince of the power of the hair, the 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 one who is at work in the children of disobedience. In this age, we have so much wickedness, so much evil. Right, you just need to go on YouTube and um, go to the news section. You see all manner of stuff there. Right, so this age is ungodly. The age we are in is there's no godliness in it. And when we talk about age, here, we should be talking about the fallen nature, the fallen world, right? So the world wants you to conform to a standard. It wants you to adapt. That's the next one I want us to look into. It wants you to conform to a standard, to his wicked ways, his ungodly ways, because the world does not know God. It's a fashion after and adapted to his external superficial customs. So the world wants you to adapt, to, to mold, I mean, to fit into the mold it creates for you. And there's so much confusion in the world. Talks about Talking about your gender, talking about your marital life, talking about money. The world is so confused. They give you one philosophy today, tomorrow is something else. And, and hence why many believers, many Christians who do not follow sound biblical doctrines are very confused because they are trying to follow the superficial, the wicked, ungodly customs, behavior, mannerism of the world. Amen. And the Bible says that don't fashion your life, don't align your life, don't align your values with that of the world. He said, but you should be transformed that is changed by the entire renewal of your mind. 
So if the believer really wants to be authentic, we need to align our value. We need to change the way we think. We need to align our values with what the word of God says. You know, many believers today are confused about what God has in store for them or how God wants them to behave or how God wants them to live. And the reason for their confusion is because they have not renewed their, have not renewed their mind because the Bible tells us here that except our mind is renewed, except we change the way we think, not thinking like the world think, but thinking like the Bible asks us to think as new creation in Christ Jesus, until we start thinking that way, we will not be able to recognize, we will not be able to know the will of God, what we should do. So if, an, if anyone is living in confusion concerning uh, marriage, concerning their finance, we should check, we, they should ask themselves, have I checked what the word of God say about this? And this is one of the reasons why God has put people like me as a pastor in the, in the local church, because some things in the Bible, they don't, they're not outrightly written, like, uh, don't, don't buy more, uh, how do you put it, you know, this credit card thing that people buy more than they can afford, is that how they say it? So it's not, it's not actually written there, but we go to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs um, Solomon has said it in a kind of way for you to, learn, to, to know that you should not live beyond your means. Amen. Right, so our Christian values, we got to change. The Bible has told us we should not adapt to this world. Now, you know, I talked about this age, looking at um, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. I talked about the fallen world, how the world wants us to conform to it, to adapt to its standards, to adapt to its way of life. So we, we, well, something must be in, be in mind is this, and it is worth reminding us all the time that the world is a falling world. The world we live in is a falling world. I repeat, the world we live in is a for, falling world, and every believer is not just an ordinary person. Every Christian is not an ordinary human being. So because you, because you look on the exterior, physiologically, like your neighbor, your same neighbor does not mean both of you are the same. Your spiritual identity is different from is or as. I repeat, your spiritual identity is different from is or as. And this is not to condemn the unsaved. The Bible, Jesus said in the book of John 3, 17, he said, he did not come to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And Jesus was friend of sinners because he he came to save the lost. He came to heal the sick, the spiritually sick. He said, the well, the healthy does not need a physician, but the sick. So I'm not saying we should isolate ourselves from people that we are sent to um, lead to Christ. But I'm trying to help us understand that every Christian has a spiritual DNA as a member of the family of God and everyone who is unsaved do not have this spiritual DNA. You are not the same as people of the world. You might be richer or they may be richer. Your heritage is different. Your heritage, your inheritance is in Christ, is in the family of God. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 3. Now look at um, NLT. Look at this. I'll read from verse 1. Paul said, Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. Hello. I repeat that. 
I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in Christ. Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, just let's, let, us, let us sink in a little bit. Paul said, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. So there's a way to communicate with spiritual people. Spiritual. Like um, some kids will say my, my pronunciation is not um, very British. Spiritual, right? So there's a way to speak to spiritual people. He said, I had to talk as though you belong to this world. Can you see that? There are spiritual people and there are people who belong to this world. Clear distinction. Or as though you were infants in Christ. So which means immaturity in Christ, people who are immature in Christ, people who are babies in Christ, they still kind of act, act like people of the world. Hello? We're getting somewhere. We're talking about authenticity. Now verse, uh, verse 2 says, I had to feed you with milk, with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And you still aren't ready. Listen to this carefully. Verse 3 says, For you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? Take your time to go through those three verses again and allow it sink in. The believer is very different from the people of the world. Spiritual, spiritually. Amen. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ is a new creature, all things are passed away and all things become new. Now, when it says that anyone who is in Christ Jesus is a new creature, it's not talking about your physiologically or, or that you enter your mother's womb and came and, and you were reborn as a human being. No, it's talking about your spiritual birth. There's, there's a spiritual rebirth when you and I give our life to Christ. And we must always remember that human beings, we are, first a, we are primarily a spirit who have a soul and live in a body. We are not just our body. We are not just our mind. Having said that, when we look at being authentic, when we look at being authentic, we must bear in mind that the world, right, to some degree, will feel unworthy of God. And that's why they would want to end they will want to end goodness with God for them, for the ones that believe in God, by doing good. Right? They want to end goodness. They want to, you know, say, if I do well, if I do this, if my good outweigh my bad, you know, I'll be in a good place. And all my kind of things you hear people say. But the believer should not try to do good things so that it can be accepted by God. The believer must always learn and must always retain in his mind that he or she belongs to God and he or she is a, is a member of God's family. And wherever you go, now we're getting to the authenticity business now. Now, wherever you go, the things I've shared with you that you are different from the world should be on your mind. And you should not try to conform. Don't try to be like the people of the world. Don't try to copy what they do. Don't try to be like them so that you can be accepted. No, it is not right. 
when we do that, we are, be, we are being fake. We are not being ourselves. It means that we do not recognize or we are not proud of our identity in Christ. I know the word can be very intimidating. There's some things that people of the world have said to me that I don't want to say here because of because kids, there are kids in this service. So people of the world who are not saved, people of the world who are not, who don't believe in God, will make you feel odd, make you feel like something is wrong with you if you don't do what they are doing. I repeat, people of the world, and they can be very aggressive, and because they are, they are much more than you, than we are, right, they can gang up to make you feel like something is wrong with you if you're not doing this. Like, are you, are you, are you saying you don't do this? It's not normal. And you can fill in the blanks. You can fill in the blank. Whatever your colleagues at work are telling you, or your, your colleagues at work are telling you to do, or your, your friends in school are telling you to do, that you know your parents have told you and have taught you, shown you in the word of God that you should not do. The word can intimidate you, make you feel like you are the odd one out. But what, what, why are you and I not investing in ourselves to be leaders? to influence other people to come to Christ as opposed to us following them. I think uh, I was saying to a colleague of mine at work, I said, I'm a pastor. You should see the shock on his face. So I pastor, I said, a pastor in the church after I started work. He was surprised. I don't know why he was shocked. Uh, I guess when he goes back to his room or goes back to his desk, he will start thinking, because, because I said to him, I said, you, you, have, you have never had a word of profanity from my mouth. I'm not that kind of those kind of Christians that, you know, when we are in, when we are in church, we have clean mouth, but when we are outside, outside, we have death, dirty or, or kind of. But the Bible tells us, it said, can fresh water and salt water come out of the same spring? No. You are a child of God. I'm a child of God. We should not be, <laughs> we should not be producing or releasing death. Rubbish, death. The Bible says that the words that we speak should edify. So now, in terms of authenticity, I'm talking about your our language. In the house and the church, we speak well, but outside we speak death. We swear. We do all kind of things. It's not your identity. And many of us, the reason why we we, we use foul language. It's because we don't know our identity or we're trying to be like them. I, I remember I saw you, I was on Oxford Street in London and there was this guy behind me and he was swearing and swearing and swearing and swearing. And I can tell in my spirit when somebody is not being themselves many a times, I looked at him. He saw my face, it went quiet. Because somehow, somehow I know and I'm, and I'm very confident that he knew what he was doing. It's not him. You know, I see some people online, a few people, and um, maybe when I'm watching a movie or something, and I can tell that this person is trying to fit and this is not them. This is not them. Right. So the Bible will want you to, sorry, not the Bible, the world will want you to fit in and they can be intimidating. But I'm challenging you and I this morning to remove that mask. Let the world see you for who you are. I am a child of God. What do you want to do? You know, I'm getting ready for the world because I know I speak the truth. Even the, in the nicest way I speak the truth, people still don't like it. You know, somebody was telling me about 
someone they know. So they shared my video with this person. So they, they actually got a person to their property and they were watching my uh, my Sunday our Sunday service together. And the lady wasn't happy about what I was sharing. And she was like, no, she doesn't like him. And um, she asked him, he said, why? He said, his truth are too harsh. I was like, I don't understand. So I asked the lady, I said, is it my uh, delivery so I can work on my delivery? He said, no, because I was smiling. I was just the way I'm not smiling that much today, right? But I was smiling now. It's one of my, one of those, my joking moments kind of thing. But the girl said, no, it's not about what, how he's saying, it's about what exactly he's saying. So the girl went ahead to marry a pastor who says things that people like to hear. And then a year later, she's, she's come back to this person and, and saying to them that, um, you know, I need you to pray with me because this marriage is not working. Um, the man I'm married to is not who I thought he was. And she's in desperate need of what we call divine intervention, for God to intervene. I, I was not told the entire story, but I have a clue of what that looks like. So the world can be intimidating, but you and I must learn to remove our mask. You and I must learn, and this is why I give an example, you and I must learn to, to hold on to the truth that we know. So I'm preparing for the world, like I said, and I'm working so hard. I know one of the ways that the devil can, through the world, manipulate and oppress people is through their job. Right, So we can't say the truth even in the nicest and the nicest way because the world does not want to hear the truth. Right, The world does not want to hear the truth. Right, something, something in my spirit is telling me to, for, to call out the scripture. The Bible says, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth. I think it's Ephesians chapter 4. My wife can help me look for it. So let no corrupt talk. It, it keeps coming to my heart and it will not go. Yeah, but I can get my wife to help me. At, at, might be Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21 or 19, there about him. Yeah, fine, look for it. So let no corrupt talk comes out of your mind. My wife will get it for me, and then we, uh, I'll share that with you. I don't know. I think God wants to speak to someone about that, about this filthy and uh, and on and this dirty. Ephesians 4, 29. Thank you. Let's go there. Ephesians 4, 29. NLT, are you ready for this? Ephesians 4.29, the New Living Translation. I repeat, Ephesians 4.29, the New Living Translation. So do not, don't use foul or abusive language. Hello? Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. And he said, instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. I'll take 29 again. Don't use foul or abusive language. It was it Paul speaking in the book of Ephesians chapter, is this the same four and the early verses? He said, let, let no obscenity be found with you. So some of us can watch all manner of movies. All manner of obscene, obscene images. Some people have magazines and stuff. And even often, as I'm speaking, some people have some obscene images on their phone, 
right? This is not the identity of believers. It's each time we try to embrace that kind of lifestyle, we are wearing a mask. We are not being ourselves. So for foul language, so in case you think, um, you know, because I say things on social media and people talk when, uh, when people come around me. For the believer, foul, dirty, abusive language may be the language of the word, may be the language of your friends, but it's not your language because you are a carrier of the life of God and the word you speak should carry life, should reflect the life and the power of God you carry on the inside. So remove the mask. So if you think speaking pure language, holy and righteous language will make you feel odd one out and for you to fit in now, when, when, I, when I hit on authenticity, I'll, I'll, I'll bring it to your atten- attention. For you to fit in, because authentic, like a, um, a lack of authenticity, wearing a mask is trying to fit in. You are trying to look like the people. You are not, you are not um, exposing or revealing your true face. So you look like other people, or you want people to see you differently from who you truly are. And I'm recalling our attention, I'm drawing our attention to our identity in Christ that we are are different from this world. We are the washed by the blood of Jesus. We have been engrafted into the family of God. We are very different people. So we should not go out there trying to look like something else. And that's why we got to take the responsibility on ourselves to go look for people who look like us spiritually, not physically. I'm not trying to say you should go look for black people or go look for white people. And we have the Holy Spirit inside of us to discern. Guys, you know what? I've been in this life for a few years. And I can tell you one truth. I've never seen lie or deception have a happy ending. Mm-mm. No. I've never seen lie or lack of authenticity or deception. I've never seen it have a happy ending. Now, Paul said, he said, for freedom, Jesus has made you free. The Bible says in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 7 that God has called us to a life of peace. Right? So if God has called us to a life of peace and God and Jesus does not want us to be a slave to anything, so why do we make ourselves slaves of anything or of everything because we are trying to fit in? It's not worth it. You know, lack of authenticity or not living authentically, so to say, you know, is tiring, is stressful. It's tiring, it's stressful, it's dispiriting. That's a new word, right? All right. I'm waiting for those kids to come and tell me, Pastor, what did you say there? It's dispiriting. So D D I S P I R I T I N G. So the spirit, <laughs> you want to call it that spirit. <laughs> so it means causing someone to lose enthusiasm and hope. So when you're trying to become someone else, or you're trying to appear different, it saps your energy. You can't find freedom. You can't express yourself. You can't be happy. Now you may have temporary fix temporary happiness in front of the people but when you are with yourself you know that life life is just miserable stressful i know what i'm talking about i've been there i know what i'm talking about 
So we want to remove the mask on our face so that we can begin to experience the peace and the joy that God has given to us in Christ Jesus. We want the potentials of God in us to begin to find expression. And I'm saying to you and I that we got to start working on ourselves to, de- to develop leadership skills and capacities to influence people to do the right thing as opposed to we going with the crowd. Wearing a mask, lack of authenticity, is you trying to fit in into the crowd. See, the thing is this, in most cases, in most cases, the crowd has no clear destination. So they just go, so this is how the crowd seems to function. Everybody's going that direction and they can see the flow of direction in maybe north and people follow automatically. You see this real estate thing going on right now that people are, you see, you are bombarded with, um, and I'm not a prophet of doom, or bombarded with all manner of messages on, on YouTube. You just watch. Watch what's going to happen. Because see, the thing is, this, I've learned this. Wherever majority, the majority are going, wherever the masses are going, and there's anybody's heading that direction, they are usually short-lived. And I'm not saying you should not invest in real estate, but you may not want to go, and this is financial advice, free, free of charge, free. And I, de- I deserve a consultation fee. I, de- I deserve a fee. I'm not as a pastor. I deserve a fee for what I'm about to say to you. You may want to look at real estate differently and see what needs you can meet. You know, yeah, I don't want to say more than that because I know you guys will not give me... Um, you guys will not pay me for like my free advice. Uh, but what I'm trying to say is I don't follow the crowd. You hear this model, you hear this model, and everybody's saying, come into this model. Naturally, right? And that financial advice, Lord Jesus, help me. Okay. Naturally, once an opportunity is on the front news, front page of a newspaper, I don't, I don't invest in it. I don't consider it. Because the newspaper has come out, and thousands of people have come across the newspaper, and they are, all of them are actually thinking of probably going to it. I don't want that kind of investment. Then competition is too tight. And there's so many, so many crafty things going on the world there. Right. So let's come back to authenticity. So if you're acting inauthentically, right, is trying to fit in to the world. And like I said to you and I said earlier on that it's a dispiriting, it's just too tiring. Right. It's confining, which means it holds us back from fulfilling God's plan and purpose of our lives. Right. And it makes you to lose trust of other people. You will lose trust. And there's so much packing that part in that one sentence. You lose trust of others. If you're around me and you are not sincere, you're not open, you're not transparent, I ain't gonna trust you. You know, someone that I know recently kind of stabbed me on, on the back and I'm, I'm, and I, I used to be very open with them, you know, very, very open and caring. But since they did that, I didn't even know how far they went. It was God who exposed how far they went to me. And they were laughing, they're smiling. They're like, do you want me to help you with this? And I was like, no, don't worry. I can't trust them again. I don't know what condition will make me trust them, but I don't know how that's going to work. So I've, I work with them. I'm not, I'm not angry or malicious at them, but I'm going to trust them again because if they can do that, I don't think there's anything they cannot do. 
So I would rather watch my tea and not allow my tea to be left unattended in front of them because they can they can they can throw in strychnine, throw in poison. <laughs> I mean that um, I don't play with, I don't joke with trust. So maybe you want to learn, you want to take lesson from that. Don't break my trust. You break my trust, it might take you it might take years for me to you know it might take years for you to uh, for you to hand that trust back. You know, trust is something that should be earned not given to people. But what I've done and what I do is I give people trust. I'm, maybe I'm still learning. I'm very quick to give people trust. I'm just going to trust you. I'm going to watch you for some time. Some people from the very get-go, you can tell that in your spirit, I can't trust this person because their words don't match. They are not being themselves. There's some, there something else outside than they have in front of me. And the people that I know, they, but they don't know how much I've seen about them spiritually. But I've not said anything. I'm just watching. People have seen so much in my spirit about people that than they think I have seen. Like this particular person I was talking about when they did that, I called my wife and said, the Holy Spirit is telling to me that this person is talking to somebody else. Then eventually it turned out that actually they've been speaking to someone. Not one person. They've been speaking to people. And those people have been feeding their mind with all manner of junk and they were gonna, they, they stabbed me at the back and said, you should never have done that. And those people seem to me that they made a huge mistake. How I get to me. So today, this person did not know that, they don't know that I've seen so much of, of, of what has gone on behind the scene and God has used people to come and mistakenly one way or the other, even though they were led by the, not they were led by the Spirit because these people didn't have the Spirit of God. They've opened up, they've just dropped things. I was like, yes, I said it. The Holy Spirit told me. So trust is a very, I don't think there's anything in this world that can take you far if you can't, or I don't think you can go find anything in this world if you cannot earn the trust of other people or if people cannot trust you. So that attitude that we have in the body of Christ today, that people are not identifying with who they are in Christ Jesus and they're trying to be something else in church and something else outside is going to cost them a lot. Because there will be times in their life where they have a genuine need and nobody will step in. I was saying to my wife yesterday, there's some things I know now. If I knew them back then when I was in Nigeria about 15 years ago, I'll probably be a millionaire now. I don't know. But it's interesting. Probably I'm not meta. So God knows how to make us meet small, small. Right. And she was like, yes, because people trust you. People have confidence in you. People, because people put money in those things because of my integrity. So, if you needed money today, can people trust you that you return the money? Right, so trust, there's so much I can say about trust. Maybe I'll coin out a particular service to talk about trust, right? But trust, if anybody is around, is listening to this or watching this and um, the world is been funny around me, don't think I don't know. I know, maybe, but we want, maybe we'll start repenting now because now we know. One thing I've noticed about my life is this, that the more I learn to be transparent with God and to be, I can be brutally honest with God, and I can, and I am. The more I'm, the more transparent, open with God, you know, the easier for God to walk through me and walk in my life and to open my eyes to see pitfalls around me. So it's, so when I see a lot of things about people or I'm able to, and a lot of things I've called out to my wife about people, I'm like, you gotta be careful. All right, Tunday, this one again, this one again. And all of them, it's been like, wow, like Tunday saw this, Tunday saw this, Tunday saw that. 
and I, and I'm not fishing or sneaking, sniffing around people's stuff like that. But God would just open me and say, "Be careful that person. Be careful that person because that and that." But God is not saying God doesn't say that to me about everybody. But some people, He has told me, "Be careful about be careful about that person." So what I'm trying to say to you to use this. Many times, some of us are not authentic with God. We are not real with God. I'll give you an example. You know, a single lady wants to marry a particular guy who is maybe who. She can tell that this person is not is not the right person for her, but she's not changed the way she thinks. You know, this person does their their red flags, several red flags, which are ungodly. But he's a nice guy. You know, maybe the guy has bought her a few gifts, taken out on dinner. Girls, listen to me. Until you are very sure that the person, this person who is approaching you, this guy approaching you, is um, has their head correct. Don't give you don't give your heels to them. And don't put yourself in conditions and positions whereby they speak to your heart, they touch you emotionally to an extent whereby you are not able to decline or to stay away from them. Because I've dealt, I've dealt with a few cases whereby the girl, the girl or the lady can see that this guy is on the right guy for him, for her, but she has um, engaged herself too deeply in a relationship with this person and um, pfft, you know, they, they, they kind of have a kind of soul tie. They've done things they should not do. And now they realize that they can't leave this person, even though they know this person is not right for them. And it does harm a lot of people along the way. So if you are not sure about the person, until you are very sure about the person that this person is for God, don't give your heart, don't give your ears, don't give your mind to them, don't give them attention. Once they break into your defense system, your defense mechanism, it might be difficult to kick them out. Amen. So I talked about trust. Um, so, so another another impact of living inauthentically is that uh, is poor self confidence. You know, poor self esteem, self doubt. People don't have confidence. People can't do what they should do. You know, they don't have a confidence to do what they think they should do, or what they know to do, because wearing a mask it, it damages us a lot. Now we think. It, costs, it does us so much harm, right? But there's one I want to call out here, which is the spiritual side of things um, when we're living inauthentically. Let's look at the Galatians chapter 2, verse 11. Galatians chapter 2, verse 11 to 14. I'll read. But when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face. For what he did was was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterward, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of, of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. It was what? It was what? It was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy. And even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. When I saw that, they were not following the truth of the gospel message. I said to Peter in front of all of others, all the others, since you, a Jew by birth, 
have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile. Why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow the Jewish traditions? It, see, one verse that I want us to pay careful attention to is verse 13 when it says, As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy, and even Barnabas was led astray by the hypocrisy. So, if you look at the story, Peter was acting one way, the right way. Then some guys came. He didn't want them to criticize him. He wanted to look like them. He put on the mask so they can look like those guys. So the, oh, now you get it. So the reason why many of us wear a mask is because we don't want the criticism of people of the world or the criticism of people who don't believe in what we believe. And we do everything. And when we say we put on the mask, we begin to act like them. We begin to speak like them. We begin to do things they, they do. But do you know that that has a devastating impact on the body of Christ? Do you know how many people are going astray because of your conduct, my conduct? Do you even know that among those people, those Gentiles, those unsafe people, some of them are actually trusting God for the truth, to know the truth. And because you and I, because we, want, we don't want to be criticized, we don't want to be, uh, we don't want to feel, you don't want to feel odd one, and we want to fit in. We act like those people and we rob a person even among those people the privilege to get closer to God or to confirm what God is saying to them. And when we come into the church and we bring in the ungodly attitude of the world, because the thing is, is what I'm trying to call out here on that head is this. The more you wear a mask in the world, you live inauthentically, you live different from your true identity in the world, a time will come when it begins to affect you affect the way you think. So that mask, is, it gets to a point that it's not something you can easily remove. It starts sticking to your face and, be, and blending with you. It depends on the kind of face covering you're wearing. It begins to blend with you, blend with, your, with, you, with you, and you begin to look different, you begin to sound different. And you bring that dirty, ungodly attitude into the church, and you begin to wrongly influence people in the church. You may have noticed that in many churches, where people don't stand their ground and form a they form and form a solid uh, community, Christian community in a local church, and stand their ground, walking in light in their community, in churches or places where those strong Christian community don't exist, and people are just doing whatever they do like to do, and those churches. People are easily influenced by the ungodly culture around them. And people bring this into the church. I'm so thankful, thankful to God for the things he's shown me and the journey he's taken me before I come to pastor. He said to me one day, I've been preparing you for this for many years. And that's why some people may come to our church and they may not last three weeks. Because by the time they see our conduct and they see the level of authenticity in our church, they know they can stand. Because with a mask, you can't you, you, you can last. People will last in Transformers Church are the people who know they may be wearing masks out there, but it's time for them to come close to God. Because the thing is this, if you don't set your heart to remove the mask and those facade or those pretense, 
you can't receive from God. God can walk in you. The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And let no such man think he can receive anything from God. So when you are when you are somehow here, just James chapter 1, when you are somehow here today and you're somehow here tomorrow, you become double-minded, you become unstable. And an unstable person cannot receive from God. So it's not that God does not want to do, it's not that God has not blessed you, but the problem is you're unstable. You are trying to be this, you are trying to be that. So you cannot harmonize or synergize your, the forces of faith in your heart to receive from the Lord because you are trying to please everyone else. Living inauthentically cues. It has impact, a devastating negative impact on the body of Christ. It affects your home, it affects your marriage, it affects everything in your life. Guys, we've got to remove those masks. We've got to come to terms with our identity that we are children of God and go look for people even though those people may not look glamorous and stick with those people and say, you know, I know this person walks with Christ. I know this person lives with Christ. I know this person, thank you, Holy Spirit. I know this person belongs to God. I know this person fears the Lord. I will put in effort to walk with them. And if those people don't accept you, maybe it, it looks like, sometimes people are funny. Because the lady was saying to me one day that there was this girl that knows the word of God. It's very sound on the gospel. And this girl was saying bad, thing, bad stuff about her behind her back. And this, this person will not give her attention. And I said to her, so how you have judged or assessed the situation is based on what this person say. You have not assessed their character because their character is what, you, what we are dealing with right now. I said, that kind of person, she said, but this person come online, you know, they preach the word of God. People follow them. You know, they are so sound in the scriptures. This is one of my struggles as a pastor. You know, what people tell me, you know, um, is not exactly, the way they describe things to me many times is not exactly the way it is. You know, one of our church members was telling me about uh, somebody else. I said, you know, I went to meet this person. This person knows the word of God. This person knows, this person knows that. I said, no, they don't. I said, but pastor, this person said it, this person said it. I said, they don't know the word of God. And she was a bit, maybe disturbed, that's the way I can put it. She was a bit concerned, like, but when I asked this person this question, they said this. I said, this person does not know. Then uh, we had this meeting, another meeting, and they were speaking to this person. And then they came back to me. They said, Pastor, this person does not know anything, truly. And I'm thinking, it's taking you about four weeks before you realize that. You know why? Because I don't assess people or deal with people, and I'm still training myself not to do this. I don't assess people or deal with people by their appearance. Or by what they say. I said over and over, I listen to what people are not saying. You know, there's this lady, single lady who was like, dating this particular guy. Wow, I need to wrap up here. There's this single lady who was dealing with this particular guy. And then she will always present this guy to us as fantastic, blah, blah, blah. Not that the guy is not fantastic, but something is not right with the relationship. And because um, I've heard what both of them are not saying. I've had several times what both of them are not saying. And I'm like, just get ready. Except you, both of you repent. We see, I can see disaster ahead. I'm not a prophet of doom. I will tell you as it is. So when it happens, you don't disturb me. You don't come to me for fasting and praying. I can intercede and say, Father, you know, we will bless you and help us to clean this mess. But I will not lose his sleep. Pastor is one of the sweetest things to do. If you, can, if you can know how to manage your way, don't kill. You don't need to kill yourself on people. About people, do I labor? I have to counsel people. I do a lot of laboring. 
few things that disturb me sometimes, a few times, is because of the maybe immaturity, uh, uh, some immature behavior that I see sometimes in church and stuff like that. But with what God is showing me, you will sleep at night very as a pastor if you know how to deal with the truth because you have to learn to make people suffer the consequences of their action. And one lady was saying to me, Pastor, we need to do this, we need to do that. I said, I'm not doing. He said, but do you know this person? I said, because I've told them, I pray for them. They have gotten to this point where they know that this is a step they should take. It's not left for them whether they want to take that step or not. So, but pastor, don't you care? I said, I care. And that's why I've told them the truth. I've counseled them. I've spent hours and hours reasoning with them, showing them implications of what's going on. He's left for them. He didn't want to take the action. Because Jesus did not force me to give my life to Christ. So why should I force people to change? Hello? Jesus did not force me to give my life to him. He has never forced anyone to give their life to them. So why should I force people to remove the mask? So I can only encourage, pray for you guys, pray for people, but I can't force people. I can show, I can, I can call out the consequence, the implications of what we do, but I can force people. Don't forget, you can't change anyone. People have to choose to change. You can influence people, but people can't. I wish I knew this thing about 10 years ago because I've had a lot of health issues because of this that I'm sharing with you that I'm, la- I'm la- laughing and smiling about. I ain't going to force myself about anyone. Amen. So um, as I wrap up here, authenticity, we got to be true to our personalities, our callings and identity in Christ Jesus, regardless of the pressure that we are under to act otherwise. To be authentic, we have to be true to our own callings, personalities, identity. Let no one trample you on that foot. Let no one talk you down. Don't take it. Don't accept it. I know it could be challenging in the workplace. And as I was saying, I'm preparing for the word. I'm preparing myself so hard that, you know, no, no employer will be able to threaten my finances. Because one of the reasons why we take all my own nonsense in workplaces is because we have mortgage to pay. We have children to send to school. We need to start challenging ourselves to trust God to be our source and to ensure we are skilled at what we do. That there's so much in that I don't want to go there because of our time. Right? But we have to, and some of us, you know, with wisdom, we can pull some things up in the workplace and say, you know what? If you can do the fight, you can do the fight and say, you know, when I say fight, I'm not saying physicals, exchanging blows. But put down your foot and say, you know what? This is what the policy of the company says. And that's what I'm standing by. You know, you guys must be fair and must be just based on the policy of the company. It may not turn out well. Hence, I say, you know what? I don't have time to fight in the workplace. I'm just going to upskill myself. I'm just going to move to another company or start my own business. There's always a way around all of, a way around all of this. God, God is the almighty God and is full of wisdom and he can bless you, help you with so much wisdom to sort out your finances, not making you subject to some people who are ungodly. When a believer is keeping close relationship association with an ungodly person because they want to learn business, it's, in my own opinion, it's not right because if you're not careful, they will infect you with the wickedness of their heart. And I've seen this in many Christians. There's this particular couple that I know, they follow one of these guys who own, I don't mention his name. When I read one of the guys' book, it was so filthy. And they're like, you know, you take the right things that you leave the right thing here. I said, as long as you're reading this thing, it's going to pollute your mind. Hence, I, I, at some point I said, Father, I want to hear about business from people who will not put dirty and filthy language in my ears. And God showed me a particular guy to go and buy and I bought his course. No, there was no word of, of foul, there was no foul language. And I took one of the most sound business advice from this man. So all that behavior of these, that, the all manner of funny titles that I see, I've read some books on biz, some articles on books on business, and there's so much debt and feel the need. I don't want that. 
Amen. So we need to be honest with ourselves and others. We must take responsibility for our mistakes. We have to learn to take responsibility for our mistakes because as many times you're trying to push uh, the responsibility for your error onto someone else, you start trying to act like some, somebody else. You start trying to be some, something else. You, trust, you start trying to say things in a way that should not be. You guys know what I'm talking about. We have to start learning to fess up if we want to live authentically. We have to start ensuring that we assess or evaluate what we say and how we act. And work on ourselves to ensure that they align. What you say and how you act must align. Align with what the word of God says. So the Christian life is not a careless or a casual lifestyle. It's a lifestyle that we must take our time. We have to be, we have to be very conscious of our life. We, have to be, we, we should be evaluating our life and say, how am I living my life? Am I living right? Am I doing things correctly? We must learn to evaluate our actions. Pick your actions. We, we can't be coasting through life because the enemy will eat us up one way or the other because of our carelessness. The Christian must learn to think and reason and assess himself. If you go to a party and you return home, you should ask yourself, how did I conduct myself in that party? Did I conduct myself in the way manner of the gospel? It gets to a point where you are so skilled in that you are so skilled in that evaluation that it gets to a, that you are conscious of your identity in Christ, the mannerism and the values of a believer. That when you get to a place, you don't need to be thinking of how did I live, how did I say that, because. When you go in there, you're not wearing a mask. You're not trying to fit in there. You carry your values. You carry your identity. And when they throw things at you, you bounce it back. Maybe you should go to a party with me and then see what's, what happens. About, you bounce it back nicely. They tell you, that, why don't you drink? <laughs> yeah. I, said, uh, I said to someone one day, I said, you know, uh, I realized that if there's anything that can control the way I think, I'm not going to take it. Anything that I can take, I can eat, I can drink, that if I should take too much of it or somehow, it will take control of the way I think and I'll not be myself. I'm not going to take it. So hence, I will not drink alcohol. Drinking alcohol is not a sin, but hi, Pastor Tunde Cole of the Transformers Church. Pastor Tunde Cole of God, I ain't drinking alcohol. So when people are coming to my house for party, just forget about it. You can't bring in alcohol and you will not have here. Simple. Is my own values. So I will say because I don't want them to feel offended because they are rich people. Maybe I can, I can have Baileys and I have had Baileys. I can have this one. It's not, it's sweet. No, my values. See, don't forget, I'm not condemning drinking alcohol. My friend, I have friends who drink alcohol and you know, they, they, they get themselves sometimes tipsy and stuff like that. You know, but for me, me, I stand by my values. I've been I've been to the to the pub with a number of friends and number of bosses over many and many times and over. Yes, I know I'm out of time. Just bear with me. I'm enjoying this. Enjoying, it. right? And people try to get. I mean, there was this particular. They said, "Guys, it's just little alcohol. It's so sweet. This we drink this in our country." I said, "I'm not having it." But do you know that each time I've been to the pub with my colleagues at work, and I don't drink. Not in the current employment that I was in. One of my former employment. And I don't drink. Do you know that you, each time the senior directors there 
at least two will say, guy, you're a good guy. Like, I wish I could be like you. And they'll start telling the story of how they started drinking, how they've been trying to stop, blah, blah, blah. Now, imagine I have given in or I'm trying to fit in, not standing by my values. I will not allow those men to be able to think because they know that what they are out, the way they are consuming alcohol is destroying them. So our actions matter a lot, guys. And I don't judge them. I was like, you know, I, and I have fun with these guys, but I will not take alcohol and assist them by it in the name of Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Uh, let me give you one or two things there. So willingness to many times go. Okay, so we have to also prepare our mind to be willing to go against the crowd and accept the consequences of what we know to be true. So what I mean there is, I'll take it again. We, we have to be willing to many times go against the crowd and accept the consequences of what we know to be true. What I mean there is this. The crowd will want to penalize you or persecute you or condemn you for not fitting in. So our mind must be made up to say, I'm not going to, I'm not going to move. I'm going to stand by what I believe, what I know to be true. Even if those people make all manner of negative comments about me, because I'm not going to go there to try to fit in. I'm not going to put on a mask. I'm going to go in there, walk with my head straight, shoulder straight, you know, with confidence in what I believe that I'm a child of God. I carry these values. This is who I am in Christ Jesus. And I hope you, I hope, I hope that helps you guys. So please, Let's learn to live with integrity, communicate honestly, be sincere, say, say the truth, speak the truth. You know, let's learn not to try to make assumptions all the time. Let's ensure that we clarify assumptions. You know, let's ensure that our ambition is driven by our Christian identity. Everything we pursue, but we pursue must be in line with our Christian identity. You know, let's take it upon ourselves to identify our new nature in Christ 